Hey everyone, you are listening to Jive Talking with Kevin Levin, the show where we explore the art of conversation through honest dialogue about culture, art, life, and all the rest of it. I'm on a quest to find out who I am and experience the ideas, colors, and flavors expressed through different cultures and ways of being. This show seeks to uplift, encourage, and spark meaningful discussions. I'm glad you decided to drop by. In today's episode, we're going to hear a little bit from Coralie Norris. We had a chance to catch up not too long ago, and we spoke on everything from what it means to have an exquisite appetite for life to our go-to feel-good pizza spots. As you can imagine, there's a whole lot that's covered in between those two different things. And this is only one part of a two-part episode. So stay tuned for the rest of this first part. And I look forward to sharing what we got into. Hello? Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can. Hi. I've been... (laughs) I'm so sorry. I've been talking and then I just realized my my computer was on mute. Ah, Been there. Done that. (laughs) <laughs> has like, I have yet to meet someone who has been like, oh, so cute. <laughs> That's just the product of being in this virtual time and this virtual space. I know, I know it is. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to finally be a guest in the time talking. Or, oh, oh my god, I'm so bad with this. I'm so hungry, Kevin. <laughs> Did you eat? I food is on its way. Where's this food coming from? Honestly, I can't say that on a public podcast. I cannot answer that question on a public podcast. It's not. It's not. Uh, just Pizza Hut. <laughs> I'm just. It's not. It's not even from Pizza Hut. It's from Papa Jones, I believe. I just really wanted pizza tonight and, you know, definitely can't afford and have, like, fancy pizza from all around the world, you know, that you have, like, here in D.C., but generally tonight, like, my brother is here, and one of the things that I, me and my brother, we have in common is, like, there are certain, like, American things that just remind us of, like, our childhood and, like, visiting in the summer. So, and like come up with things like I would normally I never normally eat those things that much but when we're here like my brother like when he's here he's like he won't he doesn't like going back to Haiti if he's like well I, I did have a burger and I'm like that's good and like, and like and we don't want and like when he says he wants a burger he doesn't want like fancy you know like fancy three star Michelin burger he wants like an American burger keeper. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this, but like, and like that's basically what's happening right now. It's Papadros. It's like, I don't want, like I was like looking at this, this chain of fancy Italian restaurant in DC that's called Lupo. Uh, Lupo di, Lupo dat. And I was on their website and they, I will tell you their pizza is to absolutely die for. Anyone who's listening, oh my God, order their food. Tonight, that's not what I wanted. I wanted the basic ass pizza that we used to have in college. 
disrespectful. The question that's on my mind right now is, did you also get that dessert that always uh, when we were in college? <laughs> you were... Um, no, I did not. I did not. Um, I'm not really feeling brownies right now. It was brownies. I would always order pizza and like, and what I did is like, I the same order. It's always like a Papa John's, thin, uh, crust, like double cheese, pepperoni, like whatever. Like, you know, it's like the basic thing. I don't want a different pizza. I don't even want one thing different. I just want the same exact pizza. <laughs> And then I would always order that brownie, but I I'm actually not ordering the brownie. I don't I'm not craving that one right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love that you asked that. I'm really glad that you're here, first and foremost, because you are a dear friend, and I want to have conversations with people that matter, and you matter to me. And so I just want to thank you for taking time out to even be here and share some of the tidbits of your experience, including this Pizza Hut, this Pizza Hut present moment experience as well. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because for me, I feel like of all the chains of restaurants that makes basic pizzas, Papa John is the best one out there. But then you have really? people who are like, yeah, exactly that you have people who are like oh no domino's is the best pizza and then you have other people that are like pizza hut is the best pizza and i'm like and for me and i'm like and for me i actually don't like any of their pizza i think like meaning domino's is one of the best like like you know like um, fast food pizza out there is honestly rude but you know to each their own um but yes um yeah, I just appreciate that we're still talking about this. I'm obviously hungry. All right. Mm -hmm. If you can't tell. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, to, to, to be human is to have that hunger. And that could be both on literal, like we're talking about satiating basic need for energy and nutrients and vitamins, but also that hunger could be figurative or metaphorical, like an aspiration or ambition. And part of the reason why we have you here today, or why I was, I'm thankful that you're here today, is because you're one of the most ambitious people that I know. And I want to invite you to take that soapbox that you carry with you, put it on the floor, stand on it, and speak your truth. Oh, I'm excited. I love that. Thank you for, for framing me in, in that way. I, you know, I I hear a lot of things about me. It's like, oh, Coralie is like the most dissimilar stuff. But I like, I like that one. You know, I like if I want to be remembered by anything, it would be probably for my grit, my ambitions, and my resilience. And also, hopefully, my exquisite appetite for life. Ooh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's take a moment. Can you say that one more time? An exquisite appetite for life. For, but like for the joyful things of life in particular. Mm. Break that down for me. I have an idea of what you mean, but I'd love to hear in your words. What do oh, you break that down for you? Yeah. Um, so the first thing, so two, actually... A lot of things come to mind, but in reference to one thing you said earlier about being hungry, when I was growing up, one of my favorite speech, which was a world famous speech, 
was a Stevie Jobs speech that he made. I don't remember what university. It might have been Stanford, but it is a commonly mentioned speech. And he says, "Stay hungry," and that's the title. That's the title of that speech. The title refers to "Stay hungry." And I remember being a 14 or 15 year old, or maybe a little younger. Probably no, I was probably about between 13 and 15, but I'm gonna guess 14 or 15. And I just remember watching that speech and almost like, and taking it to heart a little bit, like staying hungry, always, you know, like wanting more and looking for more and aiming for more. But then obviously I think as I got older, I've also added, I've also learned to add the nuances around that. It's like, there's a difference between staying hungry and, and, Oh, not, not even staying hungry. There's a difference between just always like looking for more and then cultivating joy and happiness in peace. And I think that that is the point that refers me to this other side of what we're saying is like the exquisite appetite for life. It's like, I think, so if you unpack this, like the key words are, mean just context like exquisite and appetite and appetite refers to that hunger that we were discussing this is like this wanting to enjoy to consume to experience mm-hmm. but the exquisite part is where pleasure comes in it's Ooh. where you're not just doing things to to because you're, you're not a mouse on a, on a wheel who's just running and running and running you're not you're not someone who's only meant to be going and going you are this appetite is selective like it's it's particular it is seeking not just the the satisfaction of having done but the enjoyment of doing like the being in the present moment and knowing what you like really it's about knowing what you like and exploring that and indulging in that so that's for me like the i think in the year 2021 it's something that i've you i mean you were in my company a lot and you i think something i said more this year than any year before is cultivating joy i just want to cultivate joy i want to, to make joy a, a common practice the same way that we think you know we teach kids to cultivate hygiene to make sure that they brush their teeth every morning and that they, they they shower every night and we teach them to cultivate you know good sleeping patterns but at no point does anyone reminds us that cultivating joy especially as you become an adult is just as important if not even more important like for me it's become kind of the goal um and so yeah anyways hopefully that kind of answers all of the question it definitely does and i, I wanted you to unpack that because this term exquisite I, I, it's not one that i hear too often you know i hear good i hear great sometimes i hear spectacular but seldomly do i ever hear exquisite used to describe anything really and so for you to say an exquisite appetite for life that's just a you know full stop mic drop statement right there so i felt like it was important that we take time to really just sit and appreciate the depth and the breadth of that idea now yeah 
you made this note about making joy a common practice. Mm-hmm. And I really love how you draw in this idea of people are taught at an early age how to cultivate good hygienic practices, brushing mm-hmm. your teeth, mm-hmm. washing your face, washing your body, doing these various things. In your present experience, what are different practices that you have to cultivate joy? Kevin, you're actually asking me like one of my favorite questions. <laughs> oh, I love this question so much. So, so many things. You know, I think routinely I have, you know, I think for me, one of the first thing that I do to cultivate joy is honestly just my music. Mm-hmm. And to like, to... I have like if you go on my and I think like, honestly maybe I'm just gonna like give myself some some flowers here some deserved flowers that I don't think the rest of the world will see but I'll just give them to myself and it's like I take the time to like curate my playlist and I have so many playlists that I've that I've made and I just really think they're such <laughs> but one of them for instance is like called um it's called self-care with a zest of groove and like that playlist for me is one that it was probably one of the first time i was like okay cool what music do you want to listen to when one you want all the cells in your body to feel relaxed but not a not a um, not a vegetative, not a, not a, not a vegetative, I don't know, yeah. like kind of relaxation. The kind of relaxation. Yeah, you don't want to be a vegetable. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not, I'm trying to be relaxed, but not like, I'm not in a coma, you know, relaxed. Like mm-hmm. I want to be relaxed, like also with like sparks of excitement. Like that's what I want my self-care moments to be. And so I was like, okay, so, and so I, I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna build a playlist that's me, like where the lyrics are soothing, but there's rhythm and there's there's joy in the voice of the people singing. And yeah. and and so, so like, that's one example. Like I would say like the most common, the most, like the most, the smallest, easiest way for me to incorporate joy in my life is with my music. That's the first thing. The second thing that I, or not second, but like other things that I do, you know, I found that taking care of flowers and plants uh, do spark joy in my life, partly because they require me to be mindful and be present. And also they require me to acknowledge their beauty, especially for flowers, and to be okay with the idea of things passing on. So I've been, you know, I remember being very young, uh, well, not very young, but I remember being in college and maybe my sophomore year, I had a friend who'd buy herself flowers. And, mm. and you know, I mean, she was, she, was, she was an interesting person, but I loved that about her. I loved that she'd buy herself flowers in her house, no matter how, whatever was going on, she would walk, it was fairly modest, you know, we're all college students, but there was always those fresh flowers and I always thought in my mind, I was like, well, I want to be given flowers by others, right? Like my boyfriend at the time, or I don't know, other people in my life. And I just, and I remember asking her about it, and like, oh, who gave you those flowers? She was like, oh, I just got them for myself. 
And I was like, what? And for me, I was like, oh my God, that's a revolutionary thought. <laughs> you just bought your own flowers? That's crazy. Um, but then I remembered like every time I was seeing the flowers at hers, I just remembered feeling like just feeling like this kind of this like uh, this moment of wonder, like, oh, look at those beautiful flowers. Like it's sparking my curiosity. It's sparking my like positive emotions in my body. And it, like it's it's pleasing to my eye. And therefore, honestly, for me, usually when things are pleasing to my eye, it makes me feel good. Um, and so I started cultivating this idea of like buying my own flowers. So I think, you know, my music, having flowers. And then now that I'm a little bit, you know, I don't want to say older, but I used to be scared of owning plants because I think they would just remind me of my <laughs> my, inca- my incapacity of taking care of things. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, it's better. I, I have some plants and I am able to take care of them. And also I'm okay when, I, when they die. If they die, I don't necessarily see it as a reflection of you know, my poor time management and other things. So, um, so that I think um, dancing is a big part of them. So like moving um, is another way that I try to spark joy a lot in myself. And just like, sometimes I love to wear like really big dress that like will twirl and then I'll put music on and either have like my big headphones or just like have loud music on and I'll just mm-hmm. dance and twirl. Sometimes I'll dance with Khalil. Khalil is my dog. Um, Andrew and I, Andrew's my boyfriend. Um, we also will dance all the time and we don't care. We don't care how we're dancing. We don't care if the motions pleases others or if society deem us good dancers. We don't care about that. We just want to mm-hmm. dance. and. And like, you know, usually dancing for me, it starts with the feet, but it, it finishes on my face with like a huge smile. And ah, uh, like I used to, there used to be a time last year, particularly where I, yeah, I would have this routine or I would start working. And then at the end of my workday, I would transition out of my workday by closing my computer at five or 5.15 or so, mm-hmm. doing a 30 minute yoga session, and instead of ending my yoga session with just like more meditation or going cooking or anything, I would do 30 minute yoga session and a 30 minute dance party just by myself. And then I would play my dancing parties with like my dancing songs that I love that I also have curated in my playlist um, and dance that alone. And I cannot tell you the, not only the joy, but like whatever would have happened before at work that would maybe wait on me automatically between the 10 to 30 minutes of of meditating and doing yoga and then the 30 minutes of dancing whatever work had whatever impact work had had on my day was now a tomorrow's problem i was no longer transitioning into my day with that way and that was that was a big thing for me um so like i said music flowers dancing cooking Talking to my friends who I can have enlightening or fun conversations or like great ideas with, definitely um, for me, something that sparks joy. Uh, fashion, fashion sparks a lot of joy for me, honestly. Um, it's something that I've missed with COVID is like, I now work a lot from home and therefore I don't have to wake up every day and have an outfit set up. And I know some people will say, oh, but you can still do it, blah, blah, blah. And I hear you. But I have less of a reason to do it. <laughs> I have less of a reason to do it. 
And but I, you know, sometimes I look back at old pictures and I look at pictures of that I would have taken before going to work. And I remember why mm-hmm. I did it because I loved that outfit and that outfit gave me joy and it gave me confidence. Um, and so, my, you know, I think clothing is something that sparks joy for me. Um, mm-hmm. Self care is also something that's also just like knowing, like, oh, I took a long, beautiful bath and I like, you know, just I was there for two hours, like that, those things. Like, I think the last bath I took was maybe not the last bath, but it was like, not, it was a bath not too long ago. And I found myself, I was gonna be like, I was gonna be watching shows. So I had all those plans of things to do. And then instead of doing any of that, I found myself in the bath for like, I think three hours singing. I was singing. Yes. And and see, for me, that right there is like real joy. Cause I felt so free that I allowed energy and voices and my vocal cords to sing. It's like, think about it. Like even in any Disney shows, even like birds, when they're happy, they're singing. And you know, someone told me once that women hold emotions in particularly in like particular part of their bodies, one of them being their hip, another one being their vocal cords. And so for instance, like, and like this, she was a coach and she's absolutely fantastic. She's an Australian coach. Um, intimacy and 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 uh, lifestyle coach, it's fantastic work. And mm. she told me this about the hip and the and the vocal cords, which then me, made me. And that's part of why I dance and I sing as part of like I, I I call them joy practice, but they also release tension practice. Like when I dance, I feel relaxed, and when I Thing, I think I feel relaxed even if I didn't feel relaxed before I say I saw I feel relaxed after so it's no longer a reflection of like oh she's happy therefore she's singing it's like well she's tense so she's gonna sing and then she's gonna be relaxed <laughs> I love that I just want to take a moment and circle back to the joy that you expressed feeling in relation to fashion and the clothes that you like really curate um, mm-hmm. to create, you know, for, for different moods or for different environments, settings, um, destinations in mind. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go there in part because you, when you were sharing these different practices um, that help you cultivate joy, the fashion in particular reminded me the other day I went to go get like a singular cup of coffee and I was like, I just want to go on a walk. And so I'm going to go to a coffee shop that's not too far from where I live. And I'm going to you know, get this one cup of coffee. And there was this guy who I'd never met before walking down the street the opposite way of me. And he stopped and he was like, you look amazing. Speaking to me, like only two people, you know, in the area. And he was like, you look amazing. Like, where are you going and where are you coming from? And I was like, I'm just going to go get a cup of coffee. And he was like, why are you dressed so well to go get a cup of coffee? Like, you look like you're going for like a job interview or, you know, like you had some business meeting or whatever. And I was like, these clothes, I bought them because I liked them. And I'm wearing them because I bought them to wear them. I I didn't buy them so that they'd sit in the closet and collect dust. I bought them because I liked how they look and yeah. because of 
how I feel when I wear them. Mm -hmm. And I was just reminded of that experience of, you know, being uh, seen, I suppose, and, you know, affirmed, I guess, in some sense of, you know, somebody else likes how I put my clothes together. And, you know, I appreciated it, but I just thought it was so interesting that, you know, there was this idea of, you know, like, there's only certain uh, social settings, I suppose, where it's like appropriate to dress like well and really nice. And I think that that's that that's a myth. I don't think that that's really grounded in anything real. I think, you know, it's really important to wear clothes that you like and that help you express something that you care about. like to yourself for yourself and then maybe for others after the fact you know i think i think in that moment you know no offense to the man to the person and i hope that i'm sure they're a lovely lovely kind human being but in that moment i think they were being a little bit of a thief a, a thief joy or joy thief mm-hmm. um it's this notion for me that like when you're you walk into a space feeling feeling full you know feeling joyful mm-hmm. and then someone takes a little bit of takes a little bit away from you mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes people do that unconsciously sometimes people do it consciously and they pretend they did, 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 did it unconsciously but it was maybe more conscious than they might think um but i think sometimes people do that unconsciously and i think that's something else that i've been trying to be mindful of too is like in my effort to cultivate joy to also it's important for me to become someone who amplifies other people's joy rather than take it away and it's like let's say like someone like comes to me and they like have a really great like something fun something good something anything honestly it doesn't have to be important it just has Mm. to give them joy and maybe in my mind maybe i have some hesitation or some concern or some questions in regards to that one thing that they've just brought up that brings them joy today i try before before i go and question or hesitate or or take away from that joy i try to give like as much time as possible to amplify that person's joy there will be plenty of time for me to question to to question to like to question it right so like if a friend comes to you and they say they're super excited because of like a new outfit that they got mm-hmm. honestly now like do maybe like i was probably different before but like nowadays you're happy i'm happy this is exciting like i like it very few things matter more than you being happy about your outfit like they, you know i like not in the sense of like in that moment right mm-hmm. and then and then later let's say you know the, the, if the conversation if there's a need for the conversation to progress and that mm-hmm. person says to me yeah i think i'm gonna bring this outfit like i'm gonna go to the funeral in this outfit you know yeah. but then I, then if i had any hesitation that's that might be when i bring it up when i say something like oh oh well <laughs> like well that might be a cool outfit for the after dinner of the funeral you know like the, sometimes funeral have like an after dinner or something i don't know yeah, um, yeah. you know but like you know uh, is that your only option like that's when you start but i think often jumped into the the like someone will have something very exciting to share and instead of amplifying that joy and excitement we're very quick to to do practices that actually diminish that person's joy because we think that our concern is more important than their joy in that moment but that's something i want to unlearn mm, you know 
I have a list of questions that <laughs> I brainstormed. And one of the questions that I feel is particularly relevant based on what you just said. Okay. What lesson took you the longest to unlearn? that took me the longest to learn. I'm still not sure I fully unlearned it. Actually, I can actually guarantee you. I can actually guarantee you <laughs> I haven't unlearned it. Like, I feel like if Andrew was here, he'd be like, no, she hasn't unlearned it. She she hasn't unlearned it. But I definitely have, un- I've, I've, I'm much of the importance of asking for help now than I was, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, and I think for me, that was definitely the hardest thing to learn because I think I, I grew up in a, in a culture, in a family where we pride ourselves in only needing ourselves and the divine and divine intervention, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't, we don't need other people. We don't rely on other people. Uh, we are independent. And, mm-hmm. and that's important. It's important and something I value. I value self-reliance. I value independence. But I think there comes a place where I think it's important to keep in mind that um, it's okay to ask for help. It's more than it's humane to ask for help. Actually, if you if you don't ask for help, you jeopardize your humanity and the humanity of others, um, and you also jeopardize your hopes, your plans. Because the truth is, like sometimes a lot of times, I think we don't ask for help. But the trade-off is that we're gonna move slower, or we're not gonna move at all. And and it's like, okay, well, like if you believe in a dream so much, your ego and your pride shouldn't get in the way that you cannot for help, um, right? So I think for me, it took me a long time to learn it, but then I had to learn it. I learned it real hard. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> How did you learn that lesson? What was that experience or? that uh what what happened that trans that changed how you thought about asking for help um well i think at some point i probably actually don't want to get into it (laughs) into this one story because i don't think it's it's not the story that i want to share yet today it's not i'm not yet ready to share the story on the public podcast but i will say that i it was, I learned to ask for help. What taught me to ask for help was understanding, like it was that at some point I experienced that there's basically two options. I can ask for help and succeed in my, in the, in the, in the track that I was in this scenario. And that success meant everything in that moment. It meant, you know, like, it was it was like graduating out of college. It was, um, you know, the potential of having my own career, of having my independence, and of also having so much of my, like a lot of sacrifice that had been done on my part and on my family's part to actually have been worth it. I I could ask for help and make it to the finish line. I could choose not to ask for help, but probably absolutely not make it to the finish line. And so 
Hotel became the only so the only viable option because, like you said, ambitious. Mm. Right? And it's like there comes a way when you have to learn to get out of your own way, and so um, and so that's how I learned. I learned that my only the only way I will succeed in my goal at that time period in life was for me to. For my ego to get out of my own way, for my pride to get out of my own way, to be vulnerable to others, to be vulnerable to someone else, and and ask them for help, and that actually worked out fine. And and also it's like it's like it's if someone says no, it's like because I think often also we don't ask for help because we are also afraid of rejection. We are afraid people are gonna say no to us, but like that moment for me was like well if that person says no i'm just gonna ask the next person because i just can't <laughs> like failing is not an option i'm just gonna keep asking until someone says yes and mm-hmm. you know I've, i've listened to a lot of people tell success stories and i've and a lot it's a lot of time especially when it comes to like uh investment so like people that mm-hmm. are looking for investors and i've pillar narrative right like mm-hmm. it's like i didn't really want to have to ask anyone for their money But if that's the one thing keeping me from this one problem-solving product, well, I guess I'm just until someone says yes. And I, I've heard investors in business say that as they keep sharing their stories. So I, I will say, it was good training at the time for what's to come ahead. <laughs> Definitely sounds like it. I especially want to say kudos for acknowledging that at some step in the process that you had to get out of your own way to go further to get mm-hmm. where you were trying to go yeah. i feel like it's really big to be able to say you know what that thing that's hindering me is me yeah yeah it's one of the most grown-up thing you can ever do I just picture that like Spider-Man meme of like Spider-Man pointing to himself and being like, "Yo, like I'm I'm the problem." Have you seen Spider-Man? Not yet, not That, yet. Grace I and I are going to see it. We're going to see it very soon. I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but just know that it makes this meme even funnier. Oh. Just know that. That's all I'm gonna say. Thank you. I appreciate you for being tactful with the with the the references to the film I have not seen. Oh, I appreciate absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, and and to all you to all your, uh, your listeners. listeners too, you know? Like they don't, I don't want them hating me because I spoiled their their thing. <laughs> you will forever live on this episode as Coralie the Valiant, she who did not reveal the secrets. Great. Yes. I love that title. <laughs> um speaking of titles i was curious what title would you give this chapter in your life oh man Oof. yo where'd you get those questions kevin oh i just did my due diligence you know good well good 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 um wow i uh oh this one's a hard one Like this chapter in my life, do you know this chapter in my life is characterized by um, a lot of a regained boldness. Mm. Um, I, you know, 
re- yeah, a regained boldness in a way. Like I've, I, you know, I, I think there were a time in my life when people described me as bold. Um, and I think at some point in the last, um, probably two, three years, in my opinion, I've, uh, as you know, it's normal. I'm not, I'm not blaming myself for it at all. But I think I've had to, and I've enjoyed also being on this, playing it safer, being safer with my nose, just being comf- in, in, in a position of comfort. Because before that, I wasn't. I, it, I, I had come out of like a very stressful situation. So for the last two, three years since I graduated college, I've just tried to give myself a sense of comfort, finding my own home, finding a job that feels safe, finding a home that feels safe, like getting a dog, that is like it's my dog and it's like you know i'm in control of his well-being and in our in our relationship and and but like lately um lately i have felt just more bold, bold like bold in the sense of like I feel empowered to speak my truth. That's one, that's the first thing. Mm. To say what I mean and to be honest at all time. And if someone isn't happy with it and someone isn't content with it. Now, obviously my truth, the truth does not have to be hurtful. Sometimes people think that, oh, it's, you know, the truth is hurtful. That's, I know it's a common saying. I think the truth is only hurtful depending on your delivery. Um, and, or, or at least, Sometimes, you know, sometimes can be hurtful, but it's not, there's different things, reasons something can be hurtful um, and it can be still true. But I think I might not be in control of how I deliver uh, or how my truth is received or how the truth is received, but I am in control of how I deliver that truth. And that is something that I try to be mindful and intentional and kind about. However, I, you know, I try to no longer entertain relationship where I cannot say what I mean. And that's on all level. I try, even in my own like family relationship, I think we're, we are consistently working on being able to say things that might feel uncomfortable for others to hear, rather that's like my mom, my brother, like my boyfriend, because it's important that I can show up as I am at all time and I can be genuinely authentic in my being. Yeah. Um, and I think like that requires actually bravery, which is why I see boldness. Like I say, I feel like a regained boldness and I feel no longer interested in um, cutting corners in my life. Like, um, like, I don't know how to say it really, but and that requires so that feeling that 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 moment that you're like i'm like okay i am no longer interested in half-assing anything for the sake of feeling safe i feel like i've gained enough safety and comfort that i now afford to be risky because the thing is like it's often in like risk that you get rewards Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, like I think I don't know yet exactly what a chapter would be. Like maybe regain bonus would be the chapter, um, but I I think I'm just 
I'm like no longer interested in being scared. That's the one thing. And then like, and like, you know, I mean, I launched a business this, this not like less than, like actually less than a month and a half ago. In every shape or form, it's the bold move. It's a bold move in millions of reasons. Because every time someone starts anything, it's a bold thing to do, to be honest. Like you can fail, you can be embarrassed, you can be like, especially in a, in a digital world, I think at any moment, like anything can go wrong real quick, uh, in my opinion, uh, because like public perception is so quickly manipulated. And so like that's been something that's been bold. Um, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, like I have dreams for myself today, like January 2022, as in like my year or my plans that would have been, I was too, I was too stressed. I felt too uh, confined by so few options, let's say a year ago. I couldn't have thought so boldly, but today I do. Today I feel like I can't afford to. So that would probably be the chapter of my life, regained regain boldness i i'm a big fan of that i i think it makes a lot of sense in your character arc based on the conversations that we've had and based on your social media presence and your profile (laughs) and i'm really curious to i suppose i want to hear about this business that you started and how that relates to the various projects that you have been working on under the umbrella of Shades of Beautiful. Mm. I need you to repeat the second half of the question. Of course, of course. And I suppose the, the, the gist of the question is, Shades of Beautiful is a project that I became aware of in college hearing you describe what a powerful i suppose what a, what a powerful thing it is to listen to the various stories that women that you have been personally impacted by like the stories that they've had to share i suppose mm-hmm. i don't know why i had such a hard time it's 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 like that dear listener it's it's okay fumble 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 through the fumble through the void yeah Um, i mean honestly if you don't want to hear people fumble read a book they've had the time to they've had (laughs) everywhere they said but otherwise if you're on a podcast people are doing the best they can out there we're doing the best we can out here that's that's just real talk a little fourth wall breaking for you but the the question really speaks towards i've seen the shades of beautiful project evolve in so many interesting ways i suppose what i want to learn is how has the shades of beautiful project evolved in the past month and what are you most excited by? I know it sounds like I just threw that question up in the air and it's because I did, but that's... 
<laughs> that that those that, that's the that's the that's the area the trajectory of the question that I initially asked. We'll have to go back and re-listen to it. Maybe it was better yeah. articulated. No, it's okay. It's okay. I think overall, like it's just, just you know. Um, and I think like if I go to like what Shades of Beautiful. So for the listeners that aren't familiar, Shades of Beautiful is a project that I started about six to seven years ago. I was a sophomore in college at the time. And something left an impression on me. It was like on one side I was interacting, like my my experience in college was bringing me to interact on one end with very impressive like young women who were tackling, like they were just like going after everything they wanted. And, and they were impressive and they were confident and they were beautiful. And to be in their company was like honestly mesmerizing, but also inspiring. And they were not old, they were not much older than me. They were a year older than me, maybe two years older than me. Some of them were just my age. And I just loved being in their company because I felt like, wow. Like I felt like I would look at them and like listen to their stories. And I was like, wow, this girl is the next. Um, I don't know, like the next um, Oprah or the next Gail King or the next um, Reese Witherspoon, like, you know, the next names that you're going to remember their name. You're going to remember their, the world's going to know their name 10 years from now. And I will be grateful to say, well, I knew them when they were just college, like college, like kids in college. And here's what they look like when they look like when they were just you know, 18 and 20, they were already inspiring. They were already a big deal. Even if the world didn't know it yet, they were. And I wanted to have a chance to capture that because I've often wondered, I think it's easy. We live in a world that puts a lot of spotlight on impressive women. And they're impressive now because they had behind the scenes done so much work. And and it's almost like they're coming out of the, the curtains now, right? And like they have all that spotlight, like, you know, name, you know, I could just name so many impressive women. Um, like, I, I, you know, like from Oprah to Gil King to like Hillary Clinton, no matter what your views on her are, she's still impressive. And like, um, you know, I don't know, I just keep naming them. And those are all women, in my opinion, that like that it's easy to find them not you know i think not in today's world you can think about kamala harris and like melinda gates and christine lagarde and like those are other women in different fields not just the entertainment industry and so if you think about those people we got to know who they were when they had made it they've made it that's why we know who they are but I think there's something powerful in being relatable. There's something powerful in um, relatability being approachable. And so I think for me, I remember you know looking at those young women and thinking, one, one day the world's gonna wonder, or like there's gonna be a, a little girl wondering what you were like when you were 18 what they were like when they were 18. And I would be very grateful if I could provide them that answer. Um, because they would see that that little girl has a lot in common with XYZ when they were 20. And maybe not so much anymore because they're in their 50s. So, you know, like, so if I think like, if I think like Kamala Harris, for instance, yeah, you know, regardless of what your political views may be, today, 
you know, I mean, Kamala Harris is vice president of the United States. I don't know. I mean, yes, she's also, she also has Caribbean heritage and she also has black heritage and she's also a woman. She's also many things I'm not. She's a lawyer. She's a polit political like figure. She was like, I don't know, like she was all the way in California defining the laws and, and implementing them. And But I wonder, you know, what was like 20 years old Kamala? Was she kind of, was she a little bit like me? You know, I, we don't know the answer to that question. But now that's my point is like every day today, I meet people and like constantly women who I know are going to be such big influence in their industries and in their field and in the world. And when we wonder what they were like when they were 20, I want to be able to answer that question. Or like not 20, but in, the, in their 20s or something. I want to be able to answer that, to help answer that question and give perspective. And, I, and not to frame them as like party animals, but to like, the young women that they already were. And like, which is like, with like beautiful work ethic and like a strive for balance and like a love, love for their friends, but also like passion for their interests and the causes that they consider themselves allied to. And so anyways, Shades of Beautiful was built with this goal, the goal to highlight ordinary women doing extraordinary things, preferably Gen Z and millennials. And, and I say preferably because not exclusively, but, it, but preferably because I think I'm well, yeah, overall, partly because it's also just my generation. I live at the intersection between those two generations, so it's the generations I know best. And also because I think that's kind of the goal, right? To have like a retrospective tool. So it's like, I just want to look at them now. Um, and so, anywho, all this to say, Shades of Beautiful grew with time and with years. Wait, hold up, Kevin. <laughs> my pizza is here. <laughs> So we can 100% take no, a no, no, pause. No, no. Yes, we're going to take a pause. I just want to go open the door for this young man who delivered my pizza. Do you, yeah. can, I, can I go? You go right ahead. Go okay. right ahead. Hello. Okay. Well, you made it to the end of the episode, and I want to thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts or feedback that you'd like to share with me, please share it. I really look forward to interacting with people who listen to the show, and I grow so much as a podcast host and facilitator when I can hear what you felt and learned from listening. So with that, I hope you have a great day. Peace. Oh, yeah. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that this was the first of a two-part episode, and just know that the second part will be available very soon. I'll be working on that in the meantime, but thank you for listening again. I look forward to sharing more.